1: Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM560WFIL and WFIL.com.
2: AM560WFIL, WFIL.com. It's the Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in. Happy Monday. Happy Taxes Are Due Today Day. And all those wonderful things. Forecast calling for some clouds this evening with clear skies eventually. Low 42, mix of clouds and sun tomorrow. High 64. Phillies are home tonight, start a three game series against New York Mets. Seven o'clock start there. After uh, almost 10% of the season being uh, completed at this point, 14, 15 games in, Phils and Mets and Atlanta all bunched near the top of the division. Washington not far behind. Kind of what everybody thought. So, so far, so good. We'll take the Phils in first place at this point by a half a game over the Mets and the Braves. But they, of course, have to keep on going. One game at a time. Across from the Phils-Mets is the Sixers-Nets. Sixers and Brooklyn, game two of their playoff series. It's an 8-0-5 start. Brooklyn leading one game to none at the moment. And then golf, Tiger Woods winning the Masters over the weekend. First major, he's won in. About 10 years. Rather incredible story of perseverance, especially through a lot of injuries that he has had. Let's see. So this hour, a few things to run by you. We're looking forward to having an author on. His name is Ed he He's written a book called Flee, Be Silent, Pray. The scripture verse that comes to mind for me with this. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That's Psalm 46.10. We'll chat with Ed about his book. We'll have some copies to give away. Also, as we usually do, we have Duncan and Wawa gift cards, courtesy of Brian or Chevrolet, to hand out. If you want to get yourself in the running, simply send me a quick text or email with your first and last name and your preference. You can either email me, Timmy D, T-I-M-M-Y-D, at WFIL.com, or text 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683. As a side note to that, Whenever you enter a contest, your entry automatically goes into a hat of perpetual winning. Hopwa for short. Actually, we don't call it that. I just thought of that. But what I want you to know is even if you don't win the contest you're entered for, we do keep your entry on file. And every now and again, we draw winners out to win other stuff. So your entry lives on. And it's uh, very efficient that way and effective. Perhaps you'll come home one day from work or school or wherever. And you'll have a different prize in your mailbox. Oh, cool. All right. I'll take that. So don't feel like if you don't get your name picked out now that it's a waste of time because it may pay off down the road. Speaking of winners, before we move along, congratulations to Deborah in Philly, Prudence in Bear, Delaware, Donna in West Deptford, New Jersey, and uh, Yvonne in Elkton, Maryland. Four different states have won in our Ministry of the Month uh, feature slash contest in April, which is featuring the radio program, A.R. Bernard, and up for grabs every weekday this month. We're drawing a winner for A.R. Bernard's The Art of Asking CD. There's a gift bag in there, pen and bookmark, which is cool. You can also win the grand prize, including a 15-CD set by A.R. Bernard, entitled My Father the King. If you want to be like the folks I just mentioned and many others who have already won during the month of April, just click the Ministry of the Month banner to enter at WFIL.com. Lots to see and do on our website. Feel free to check it out, enter contests, get informed on what's going on. You can also check the podcast out of this fine broadcast in our podcast section. Short break. We'll continue our uh, program in just a moment. We mentioned uh, author Ed Szeski in the book, Flea, Be Silent, Pray. We'll be chatting with him in just a moment here. AM 560, WFIL, WFIL WFIL.com. It's Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in. It's the Tim DeMoss Show podcast, available at
1: WFIL.com. Thanks for listening.
2: AM 560, WFIL, WFIL WFIL.com. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in. Quick reminder, WFIL's Pastor's Appreciation Breakfast coming up soon. It's a week from Thursday. Still time for your pastor to sign up. We've got plenty of pastors coming, but we have room for more. Free food, of course, is part of that. But uh, as important or more important, a time of worship opportunities to connect with other pastors and uh, workshops as well. In fact, there's another one that was just added. The whole thing's free. We have A.R. Bernard as our featured speaker to help encourage and strengthen pastors in their walk with the Lord and in their ministry. Looking forward to that very much. You can let your pastor know to go to WFIL.com. Just click the Pastor's Appreciation Breakfast banner. It's right there at WFIL.com. When Joyce Smith's son falls through an icy lake, all hope seems lost, but Joyce refuses to give in. Breakthrough is a brand-new movie coming out this Wednesday, which reminds us that even when facing impossible odds, faith and love create a mountain of hope and sometimes even a miracle. could be in the world of your work, your marriage, family life, finances, whatever the case may be. It's based on an inspirational true story, Breakthrough being a movie that could resurrect your faith and point you and your friends toward the God of miracles. Again, it's coming in theaters this coming Wednesday, April 17th. You can find out more at BreakthroughMovie.com. We're bringing on an author now whose last name I'm going to try to pronounce. Szyzewski? Did I get it right? Ed Szyzewski?
3: That's definitely how it looks. It's Szyzewski. Uh, Szyzewski. Um, I'm yeah, close. it's Americanized, Americanized Polish.
2: <laughs> okay, very good. Well, I'm sure I'm not the first, but I'll try to remember. Cizewski. Absolutely. Yeah, very good. Well, more, much more importantly, um, you have a book out that we want to talk about, and it's called Flee, Be Silent, Pray and uh, Ancient Prayers for Anxious Christians, and I had a chance to go through quite a bit of it, and um, I like it. I like what you have to say, and uh, I thought we could tackle it, maybe even just starting with why you wrote it, and then we can kind of unpack it a bit. Maybe the title and some of the some of the terms you bring up are also interesting, too.
3: So Sure, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah thanks for having me, and this feels a little bit like a homecoming because I uh, grew up in the Philadelphia area. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and listened, listen to WFIL. My dad advertised his plumbing company on, uh, WFIL growing up, too. So, really? Um, yeah, so there's a little bit of a connection. I've, you know, been to the studios with him and things like that, you know, when he was placing his ad. So, you know, where this book comes out of is just a you know, desire to learn prayer. And I was a, a theology student, went to seminary, and just felt like I had that feeling that you could never pray enough. And there was this guilt about prayer, hmm. and I never quite knew what to say or, or what to do. And and I think that without blaming anybody, I think that there's just the people who were my teachers. They taught me a lot about studying the Bible, but I didn't have a firm grasp on how to pray. And I just don't. I think that's a discipline that, at least in my circles growing up, wasn't really wasn't really communicated to them. So they passed on what they knew to me, but basically prayer was just talking, right? Yeah. And, you know, the the stories in the Bible of Jesus going off to pray all night or, you know, 40 days in the wilderness, there is that, that sense of confusion for me of, you know, what was he doing? <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, you, you can't talk all night. You can't spend 40 days talking. So what did prayer look like for Jesus? And as I read and studied about prayer in, in the Church, in the history of the Church, what I found is that the desert fathers and mothers, they kind of had those kinds of questions, too and they read the Psalms about waiting on the Lord in silence. And they used Scripture to pray, basically. They used the the prayer of the tax collectors, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. Mm-hmm. And they used that prayer to quiet themselves and to be still before God. And, and I think that, you know, historically we kind of lost track of that. And, you know, right now there's a movement to kind of rediscover that quiet, silent prayer of of being still before the Lord, and so uh, that, for me, just proved a really stable place to move forward. Where I, I learned that I don't have to bring anything necessarily to prayer. I need to become present and make space for prayer, and that changed me from trying to strive to do something or to reach an end to to just be present for God. And, and so it was a it was a big mindset shift that. Started out with scripture and went back to some of the roots of the church, and has, has really changed how I pray
2: each day. Ed Szczesny is our uh, guest. He has written a book called "Flee, Be Silent, Pray," uh, and maybe you could do a good, good time to kind of tell a little bit of your story, your path, and um, in, in terms of the anxiety. One of the phrases that are, is in your book, uh, you, you talk about, um, you know, an anxious evangelical, and uh, I could, I would right. say, if I had to pick something, that's probably me. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of people who, and I can tell you what I think what that means, but I'd rather hear what you think what it means. I bet there's a lot of overlap. So,
3: yeah. So if I was going to become a missionary to American evangelicals today, um, you know, kind of like take what I learned from the missionaries I've known and, the, you know, mission <laughs> classes I took in seminary, yeah. I would say that the American quote unquote mission field is very much impacted by a kind of like a growth mindset. You know like that we're we're used to kind of you know prosperity and growth and kind of tracking and measuring our progress and we we want to have results we want to be able to count the number of people who get saved we want to be able to track how many people come to church and you know and that puts pastors of, of smaller congregations in a tough spot I think if they're in a small town um like i am what do you what do you do when you know you live in a small town and you can't you know, track all that growth. So that kind of can lead, on a personal level, can lead to the anxiety of, you know, am I having uh, a certain number of encounters with God? Do I have the results? You know, I think part of the uh, breaking point for me, too, was being exposed to to kind of the more charismatic side of the faith, and these people were having visions and prophecies, and they were praying over people, and, and you know, people prayed over me and knew personal details that no one could have yeah you know, I, I never told them you know how did they know that yeah. and so you 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 encounter these more spectacular gifts which some people have and you know, other people have other gifts but it's easy to just feel bad about yourself because you're just not making enough progress you're not praying enough hours or whatever and what this way of prayer um helps me do is it it's it starts out with an assumption of taking scripture at its word that the holy spirit is within you and praying in in you and, and you know saying you know uh, pleading your case in words you can't you can't even think of and and that jesus is an advocate for you that the, the words of scripture are true that god is present in your life and so when you pray you're not you're not summoning god or begging god to come down to you it's that god is already present in you through the holy spirit mm. uh just as jesus promised and then you begin with that as your starting point that god you're already present I need to, to kind of clear away the clutter of my mind to be present for you. And so it's not an emptying of thoughts, it's a more of a, a focus on God. And that's why the, the Desert Fathers and Mothers use a prayer, or they sometimes use like a prayer word, just a word like beloved, uh, or something like that, just to, to refocus their attention on God and to be present for God. You know, so it can get confusing, I think, sometimes when you hear different uh, different takes on this form of prayer, and people can get a little bit emotional about it. But, you know, really, if you look back at the roots of it, it's all just taking the words of Scripture seriously and then using the words of Scripture to pray. And it's very simple, and I think that sometimes maybe the simplicity can be deceptive because we bring so much already, so much baggage that we have to kind of go through in the process. And that, you know, that anxiety of, you know... I want to track my progress and see what kind of progress I'm making, yeah. and, and honestly, it's grace. We're, we're, just, we're just trying to rest in God's grace, yeah. and that's something you really can't measure and track and, and give progress reports, and, and you, know, you can't do a chart, you know, to you know, track <laughs> right. how you're progressing in, in resting in God's grace. Yeah. Uh, it's a very different, it's a different mindset. So I think that the American culture can make us kind of anxious Christians or anxious evangelicals. And this type of prayer is more about grace and rest and and, and trust in, in what God's already doing in us.
2: Ed Sezeski, our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. His new book is called Flee, Be Silent, Pray, Ancient Prayers Pray for Anxious Christians. And uh, a lot of good thoughts there, you know, and it, it is a bit of a, fine line at times. For example, just, say, reading the Bible through in a year, which is often a goal folks will have in January. And it can be a great thing to read through the Bible, a wonderful thing, but it can also be uh, a guilt thing, or I'm behind already. It's only the first week of January. And uh, so anyway, again, where does it come from? Are the things we're trying to do in terms of reading God's Word or living for Him? Are they coming from a place of, we know we're loved, so we're living out of that love? Or is it a pile of things that we're supposed to quote do, you know, quote unquote do because we're a Christian.
3: Right. Yeah. I mean I think that it's it's really a timeless message of, you know, the the idea of flee, be silent, pray, which I stole that from a, a Henry Nellyn book, The Way of the Heart. That's that he uses those three words to uh, structure his book. And so I, I acknowledge that in, in the book. But it does kind of go against I think our again, you know, the American culture Idea of work, of hard work, which is not a bad thing. Like you said, it's, it's a very good thing, but where is it, is it flowing from love, you know, and is there a, a stability that comes from our identity in God? Are we uh, serving others out of, out of love for them, which is how Jesus, he wants us to serve and love our neighbors. But it gets tricky sometimes with, have pressure. We have pressure to get out there and, and to prove ourselves. I think that, uh, I went to a, a, a Christian college in the midwest and there was definitely a a, a strain of people in the schools that a sense of kind of proving yourself that it was it was almost a uh i don't know like a athletic or military kind of like you know are you committed are you you know and yeah. again like i sure. think that discipline and working hard is really good but there is that sense that exhausting sense of proving yourself worthy or or you know being committed enough and and that you know, just being in seminary, I just got really tired of reading books that said we need to do this, we must do this, and it was always like a list of like ten things. And you know, my my joke sometimes is that I feel like Christians keep making these like ten commandment lists of things you need to do, and it's like Jesus came and gave us two commandments because he was like, "Well, you guys had ten commandments and you really blew it, <laughs> so here's two, You know, like, you know that's to me that's quintessential American Christianity of just you know we we work hard, but we almost want to prove that no one will work harder than us you know yeah. <laughs> it yes. gets a little out of hand and then we wonder why we feel a little frantic and crazy and and it's because there's this whole other tr- christian tradition that teaches us to be silent and still before god and to to know that we're loved and to experience transformation in ways that we can't pinpoint or track or measure or or even explain but we just know that we've been we've been touched by jesus in his presence Chatting with pastor
2: and author Ed Sezeski. Brand new book called Flea, Be Silent, Pray. That We're chatting about today, Ancient Prayers for Anxious Christians. If you'd like to be a winner of a copy, by the way, we have a couple to hand out. Just send me a text or email with the word "Flee" and your first and last name. Uh, either by email, timmyd, T-I-M-M-Y-D, at W-F-I-L dot com. Or you can text the 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683. Again, the word flea, first and last name, we'll put your entry in the hat to win a copy of Ed's new book. Quick break. We'll come back and continue our conversation on AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till
1: 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at
2: WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Tim DeMoss Show. Rolling along, thank you for listening in. Chat with pastor and author Ed Sezeski, a new book called Flee, Be Silent, Pray. If you'd like to win a copy, by the way, send me a quick email at Timmy timmyd, T-I-M-M-Y-D, at wfil.com, or a quick text to 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683. Just put the word flee in there, and also uh, your first and last name. At one point in the book, Ed, you... Have an interesting um, observation. You talk about a couple of high points in Jesus' ministry, namely his baptism, as well as the transfiguration, and how God the Father spoke to him audibly, and kind of also like the thought of what would God say to us if He appeared in a cloud and we were walking along, and you know what would we expect Him or hope for Him to say to us, or you know what do we think He might say?
3: Right, right, yeah. So one of the things that struck me just as I was, you know, trying to engage with the the ministry of jesus and it's like what what does it look like to follow jesus if he's not walking down the street like what does it look to to actually follow him if you can't physically see him and you know i just tried to think about his journey and how how god uh, the father affirmed him both at the beginning and at the end of his ministry with a very it's basically the same statement of you are my son whom i love that's god's message before he did anything in his public ministry and also right before he faced the uh, the trials of the cross. Right. And so I think that we, we can tend to think, well that's that's what God said to Jesus, if not to me. But you know, in Paul's letters and, and also the the Apostle John, like they are really emphatic about the love of God. And Paul talks about, you know, to the Ephesians about uh, the height and depth and length and breadth of of God's love and it and it defies our understanding. And so what I think Jesus is, is showing us is that, you know, this is our journey too, that this is um and Paul too, like they they're you know, they're really trying to make it clear to us. I think that we are so we intend to to really undermine or, or overlook just how much God loves us. You know, even John three sixteen, like God so loved the world, like that's it's right there. We say it all the time, but we can think of a million reasons why God's love doesn't apply to us. And so I think that Jesus' journey can also be our journey of receiving God's love and being aware of it. And I think yeah. that's what prayer does, is it helps kind of clear away some of the clutter. And so, you know, one of the things I try to tell people when they, they start praying is to think about what kind of God they're imagining. Because if you imagine a cruel God, an angry God, a disappointed God, you're not going to pray to that God. And that's just the bottom line. I think that if you can't imagine a God worthy of your, your worship, you're not going to be very motivated to pray. And I think that's one of the big things that Jesus tried to change, is just how people viewed God, Uh you know, calling himself a doctor who came to heal and welcoming people who were repentant, that he he wasn't interested in dividing people from God. He was trying to, to heal and bring people back to God. And so what would you imagine if a cloud showed up over you and God said something? You know, I think for a lot of us, it would be get your act together, you know, make more time to pray or... or read your Bible more. Like, yeah, I think that we all imagine God as being at the very least disappointed. And what I think the journey of Jesus can show us is that you're actually God's beloved child. And if you can imagine that, that God says to you, you're my beloved child, that that may really change how you pray.
2: Ed Szeski, I should say, Ed Szeski, our guest, uh, author of the book, Flee, Be Silent, Pray. I, I, one of the things you also had written uh, in there, I had a friend who um, used to struggle a lot with some of these things. And one day I asked him how he was doing and he says, I'm doing better than I'm feeling, (laughs) you know? And I really liked that answer. I never forgot it. That was years ago, but it was his in in weak faith saying, I realize that my, my standing before God's not changed and he loves me. I'm not feeling it, but I'm not going to live that way. Yeah. And you talk about that some in the book too. Just, uh,
3: yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a really big part of prayer that I think really tripped me up at first, because I went to a prayer service led by one of the pastors from my seminary, where we did some silent prayer and and meditated on Scripture, and I left thinking, well, that didn't work, you know, and I was expecting some kind of, like, result or feeling. And one of the teachers, a lot of the teachers of of prayer they they're really emphatic about saying that, you know, prayer isn't about having this emotional experience or encounter. You may have that, but that isn't like the mark of success, is having some kind of emotional encounter with God. In fact, God may even become at least to your perception, you may feel distant because that could be an unhealthy measurement of of your progress. And so I think where we begin with prayer is faith. We begin with the faith that that God is present in us, and that what Jesus said is true, then we just take whatever happens, whatever happens, happens. And Thomas Keating says, you can only do uh, prayer wrong if you get up out of the room and leave. And I think, you know, stop looking at your feelings, stop looking at your thoughts. You know, Martin Laird, who's a a teacher at Villanova, wrote, wrote in his new book, An Ocean of Light, about how if we all had these amazing encounters with God when we prayed, we just start writing about it in our journals all the time. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah be, sure. You know, another another benchmark to prove how spiritual we are, and so it, it is a lot of a lot of faith, and, and feelings can can get in the way of the, the spiritual reality happening beyond what we can know or or experience.
2: The con- uh, contemplative prayer, I just, you know, jot down a couple of questions in very, very simple, you know, way of asking you, like, so, what is it? How do you do it? Yeah. You know, and what's yeah. the, what's the goal?
3: So the goal isn't emptiness or like mind, mindlessness. Right. <laughs> right. Know? The goal of contemplative prayer is to create space for God to be at work. So when I asked hundreds of people, an open-ended question, what's the greatest challenge you face when you pray? Almost, I think it was over 90%, at least 90%, said distracting thoughts. Hmm. And so contemplative prayer is an ancient prayer practice of the Church that's as old as the Bible that we have, uh, even older perhaps. You know, contemplative prayer is a way that, that Christians for centuries have dealt with their thoughts. They've gone about their work, they've spent time in silence, with a simple prayer word or a prayer phrase, and they've used that prayer word or phrase to let go of the thoughts they have so that they can be present for God. So it's mindfulness of God and releasing the thoughts that would would interrupt our prayers or distract us. And so, you know, some people have used the word afflicting thoughts, the thoughts that kind of really gnaw at us. So, you know, I would say that, you know, I used to, you know, really just kind of yeah, I think it's kind of let let thoughts get to me about, I can't believe this person said this. Or I can't believe someone, you know, made this uh, statement or whatever. You can get really just distracted and overcome with a thought or obsessing over something. Sure. And what contemplative prayer helps you do is, is let go of that thought and to remember that you're beloved and beloved and to just sit and be still before God and to just receive whatever, whatever grace God has for you. And that's, you know... And, the teachers of the Prayer, you can look up uh, lots of different teachers on YouTube. Martin Laird is on YouTube, uh, um, Thomas Keating, you know, they, they have very simple, accessible videos, and the goal is to, to let go of thoughts and to be present for God, and to just basically receive what you already have, um, so it's just to be aware of it, to, to realize that God is present within you and God is love. The word that a lot of people use is centering prayer, that you're centering on a word, but I don't get caught up in yeah. you know what we call it or or the terminology. I think that the main thing is learning to be present, to let go of your thoughts, and this is a useful activity just for life. I think that if someone offends you, learning to let go of the offense and to stop thinking about that, uh, that can help you move toward forgiveness and just you know reconciliation as well. So sure. you know there there are really helpful applications of this too. And it's it's different than some of the more secular counterparts. But, yeah, I think that if, if you do it, there's, there's almost a family resemblance as far as the impact that I think that it does result in just being a little bit more aware of yourself and how different events in life affect you and how you can release them to God and trust them to God and then receive the grace that God already has in your life.
2: Pastor and author, Ed Suzuki, our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL, WFIL WFIL.com. His brand new book is called Flea, Be Silent, Pray. If you'd like to win a copy, send me a quick email or text with the word flea and your first and last name. Email's timmyd, T-I-M-M-Y-D, at WFIL.com, or text to 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683. Forecast, calling for some clouds for a while, yet... Eventually clearing up tonight, low 42, mix of clouds and sun tomorrow, high 64. Philly's home this evening, starting a three-game series against the Mets at 7 o'clock. Sixers across the street an hour later, tipping off against Brooklyn at 805, game two of their playoff series. And then uh, golf, Tiger Woods winning the Masters. We'll take a short break, continue our conversation with Ed Suzuki, uh, the book author, or author, I should say, of the book, Flee, Be Silent, Pray. It's Tim Demar Show, AM560-WFIL
1: wfil.com. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss show on AM 560 WFIL. Email D at wfil.com.
2: AM 560 WFIL, wfil.com. Continuing along with the Tim DeMoss show. If you enjoy the program, feel free to let a friend know about it. And also the podcasts are all available at wfil.com. Help yourself anytime you like. We're continuing our conversation with pastor and author Ed Suzeski. He's written a book called Flee, Be Silent, Pray, uh, Ancient Prayers for Anxious Christians. I remember reading uh, My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers years ago, and there was one page in there that I think is speaking to what you talked about just now. Um, Basically, the kind of the end of that page, it says, Is my walk with the Lord becoming simpler? Um, mm-hmm. be, be, he says because he was saying there's a, there is a misconception, basically to the effect of that as you mature as a believer your life is going to get more complicated because you're going to yeah. know more stuff. You'll maybe he didn't say it this way. I don't think it was like I'm not going to be at more Bible studies, but the idea I'll be at three yeah. Bible studies instead of two. Or I'll be and and then before long you're carrying a weight on you, as opposed yeah. to and he's basically saying whether it's a matter of unlearning or or stuff is being pushed aside. As you are maturing, your walk with the Lord is actually getting simpler, right? Yeah. So, and not, not like you said, not like mindlessness—like you're just sitting there and everything's white and you, you're thinking. It's just right—you're right. pushing away the things that get in the way of what already is God's truth, who He is, and then that would allow you to do all the other stuff, whether it's forgive somebody or go share the Lord with someone else. But it's coming from the right place as opposed to you—you you, like a pit stop where you got your information. And now you're off running around doing stuff,
3: <laughs> you yeah, know, doing things. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. And that's, and that's I, I grew up going to uh, Calvary chapel and listening to Joe Foch on, on the radio. Really? And that was, okay. that, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that was, that was his big, that was his big thing was the was, was simplicity. And that's what I never forgot. I think that's why I think that people get nervous about these terms and practices. But when you think about what this is all based on, it's based on, a simpler uh, attention to the love of God. And, you know, that's why I felt like as I was probably, you know, part of the book gives my background. I had a a ton of conflict growing up as a Catholic with the priests at my parish, and uh, went to a Catholic prep school and, and had just so much conflict with these priests who didn't want me reading the Bible for myself. Right. And I have since met many Catholics who are horrified by my stories of of these priests, but, you know, I was just about the most anti-Catholic person you could have found. Like, I I had a Bible that was full of highlights of all the anti-Catholic stuff I could find. You know, I went Mm. to seminary, because I was going to show those Catholics who's boss, right? You know, like, if anybody was suspicious of Catholicism, and anything that smelled Catholic or whatever, um, you know, it was me. And then as I started to read the work of Henry Nellen and Brennan Manning, and Thomas Merton. What I found was like this what you talked about—very, a, a very simple awareness of God's love. And I might disagree with a bunch of other stuff that they believe or practice or teach, but as far as the center and the heart of it, I mean, I, I felt like they were very much in line with, with what I was learning from Joe Phillips growing up. You know, like it was like, oh yeah, like this is this is that simple love of God, and uh, it's it, that's what's transforming and powerful, and and the, the transformation doesn't come through. Adding another thing or doing more, it's actually just becoming more aware of what I already have.
2: If you would take a moment and describe a little bit of what contemplative prayer like kind of looks like perhaps what or what it might yeah. involve Of course each person may be a little bit different but
3: so you know the book the, you know in the book I kind of share my journey because I had a couple of hangups I had to kind of work through yeah and different people have different hangups. but you know, the basic practice itself is is simple. I encourage people to to take a little bit of time just to take stock of your thoughts. You know, what's what's on my mind today? Am I discouraged about something? Am I worried? Uh, kind of preemptively face what you're thinking about, and that's something to, to offer to God in prayer ahead of time. And I think that sometimes we jump into silent prayer, and it's like all the stuff that we've been worried about just comes roaring to our consciousness all of a sudden. And I would also encourage folks to set, like, really, like, low goals, like three, five minutes at the most of silence. The goal is to get up to 10 or 20 minutes of silence and, um, you know, just integrate it with your life. You know, when you're washing the dishes and you're driving around town and you're taking a walk or running, there are, you know, more specific practice, you know, guidance about how to sit still or sit in a chair and breathe a certain way. You know, different teachers have different different teachings, but just get the silence any way you can, and, and just ask God to, to guide you yeah. in, into what you need. You know, what I really needed was to use the word beloved as kind of a, a prayer word to center on, yeah. to remember that, that I don't have anything to prove. Uh, other people maybe just need to use the word Jesus, just the name Jesus. And center on that, and other people may really resonate with using scripture, you know. So the the Jesus prayer of, of you know, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. You know, there's different ways that you can you can let go of your thoughts, you know. Just find out what makes sense to you and, and where you feel like the Spirit's leading you, and what yeah, I think also just what feels comfortable, and and start to progress from there. Just try to make that space and just do it, do it a little bit. And then, and then grow. And, and so you use that prayer word to let go of thoughts. And, you know, we can kind of beat ourselves up about, I'm not praying right. I'm not doing it good. Like the effect of it has very little to do with you. You just need to, just to maintain silence and, and to make that space. And then whatever happens, happens. It's just up to God and its state. We just, we place our, ourselves, uh, in God's grace and mercy and we trust that as we make the space for, for God in our lives that the transformation we need will happen on God's timetable, and that we don't have anything to measure or prove or to make it more effective. We just need to make that time and space.
2: Ed szeski our guest, he's a pastor who's also written a book called Flee, Be Silent, Pray, Ancient, Pray, Ancient Prayers for Anxious Christians. If you'd like to win a copy, send me a quick email or text... T I M M Y D at WFIL.com or text to 610 500 Dove, 610 500 3683. That's our text line. Just the word flea and your first and last name would be greatly appreciated and we'll put you in the mix to win a copy. Think about these words as we go to our final break. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That's Psalm 46, verse 10. Part of what we're talking about today with Flea, Be Silent, and Pray, it's a new book from Ed Suzuski. Suzeski? I keep struggling to say that. <laughs> Take a quick break. Come back and chat some more with Ed here on WFIL.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com.
2: AM560 WFIL, WFIL.com. It's the Tim DeMoss Show. Continuing our chat with Ed Zazewski, author of the book Flea be silent, pray, ancient prayers for anxious Christians. If you want to win a copy, by the way, send me a quick email to timmyd, T-I-M-M-Y-D, at wfil.com or text 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683. Just looking for your first and last name and the word flee. We'll draw a winner or two when the program is done. Uh, maybe just we could wrap up our time with you sharing a, a, you know, a thing or two or three that you've experience as you've as you've been, you know, I'm sure as with anything as a discipline, it takes time to even understand because someone listening in might be like that sounds a little too I don't know, I don't understand it. Okay, well, maybe you should read yeah. and try like take time and yeah. you know, get it understand what it would be be about. So, you know, as yeah. part what 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 has come to mind for you or what are some things you've you've learned and discovered as you've been doing contemplative prayer?
3: I mean, the biggest thing is that I describe it like this. I used to have, I've had like neck pain and for a while I was, I was kind of walking crooked and like my body was kind of out of whack and I went to physical therapy and they did some adjustments and I walked out of that office and it really felt weird to walk. Hmm. And what I realized is that I'd just been walking kind of crooked <laughs> for years because of my neck and shoulders being kind of out of, out of whack. And I think that sometimes we don't know what it feels like to be healthy And we get so immersed in our thoughts and our days and our busyness. And I think if you commit yourself to this for the long term, you won't necessarily notice the big flashbang conversion testimony moment. But over time, you will notice if you miss it. And you'll start to realize, oh, this is what it feels like to be healthy and present and aware of God and aware of other people and centered in God's love. It, It does take a commitment. I don't think it needs to be a lot. I think that you could start small, but I think you will see the results over time. Or I like to say I was running. like It took me about three months to really feel like going for a run wasn't an agony. And a Contemplative Prayer is kind of like that, Like where like I learned to let go of my thoughts just like a runner learns to hit their stride. It does become easier and natural over time, and it becomes something you can just integrate throughout your day just to be aware of God's love and to turn to God in in uh, awareness each day.
2: And even learning, um, you know, to be okay with the fact that it, you are learning and to not be like, I'm not doing it right.
3: <laughs> You're right, right. right. <laughs> yeah, because God's the one doing it. God's the one doing the, the prayer in you. So that's the, the beauty of it is that it's just pure grace.
2: Yeah, well, and as with any part of, I guess, uh, our lives, the contemplative prayer or otherwise, uh, you know, you could probably trace it back to they're all done in a way— if the, the more that we really can understand God's love for us more deeply, then it it really frees us to be even living life and not knowing what we're talking about and trying to figure it out and understand and grow. Cause even you and your book, you mentioned like 20 years ago, you would never have written this book. Right. So, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's a, it's a part of God's faithfulness to keep, like you said, I think it's a, one of the key things you said in the book is that God's already there rather than, you kind of got to get everything in a row, or mostly in a row. Or keep it in a row, otherwise God's not around.
3: Yeah, this is the kind of prayer. If your life is a mess, this is perfect for you. Is, <laughs> you know, the messier you are, the better this will be for you. The, like the less you think you know, the I mean, this this is, this is so simple. You know, anybody can can spend five minutes and just and just meditate on the, the name of Jesus. Like that's. Low hanging fruit here. So I think with uh, all the
2: current struggles, Ed, uh, you tell me. And this was another question that just came to mind: that the distractions that are yeah. in the culture. There are so many. Uh, um, yeah. It's hard to have five minutes quiet of anything, <laughs> let alone That's prayer, right. uh, consistent. I mean, in a row, without, especially if you have children or whatever else. But uh, yeah. is there any any thoughts on that as far as how you do, practically speaking, how you help minimize distractions or
3: yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about that. My next book is actually all about how technology impacts our ability to pray because we're trained for the quick hits of affirmation and, and connection on, on social media and on our phones. And so yeah, like, you know, definitely removing apps from your phone as much as you can. And yeah, you know, there's a, there's a, a movement called the humane technology movement that has uh, it's all former social media and technology executives who recognize how, how compulsive we can be with our use of technology. And so, you know, they have all kinds of apps and different ways you can change your settings to make it easier to keep off your phone. And so yes, like remove notif, like stop notifications and, That's a big you know, one. use, use a tracking, use tracking software like a snap called moment where you can see how much time you're on your screen and like, okay, I can't find five minutes to pray, but look at your screen time at the end of the day. And, you know, like, wow. What's that yeah. one called again?
2: Moment, moment?
3: Moment. Yeah.
2: Is the name Yeah, that That would be a real telltale thing because I could bet most people would say, I I know, oh, I, or and or I, I kind of need it, even the idea of uh, right. what if someone yeah. called me? What if someone like, okay, yeah, sure, anyone could have. The fact you have a phone by definition, someone could have texted you, someone could have yeah, called yeah. you. So uh, that would be interesting at the end of the day to say, Oh, an hour and 42 minutes. Really? I checked it that much? I was on it that, or I used it that much? And again, not that it's an evil thing,
3: but you got to really be careful. Yeah, to be honest, like I, I use my phone to help me pray by, you know, I put it on the do not disturb mode, and I use the timer to time myself just to make sure I don't give up early. You know? Yeah, sure. It becomes too hard to be silent. Like, I definitely use my phone. I try to keep it out of sight. I don't want to be looking at it, but... You know, I use the timer to keep myself honest to make sure I, I do make that time to be silent and still. So it, it, it can have some usage. But I think that, yeah, I mean, we, our, our family doesn't have a television. I haven't had a television uh, that I've owned since college. And that that makes a big difference because I think that, you know, the first thing you do in the morning a lot of times is you turn the television on. I was used to. Um, I always wanted to have the ESPN on or whatever. So yeah, yeah. The funny thing is, there's a lot of great books out right now about habits, and habit formation, and uh, the people who design social media. They work with the Stanford Persuasive Technology Lab, where they've mastered the art of habit formation. So they know how to make using their products a habit. And maybe that's okay. in you know, in an industry, it's like, well, they they need to make money and that's what they do. But I think as, as a user, I think we should know that these, these kind of habit formation tricks are being used. And when you look at what monks and, and nuns do for their lives and their prayers, it's habits Like they have really good habits. And so even if you're, you know, a Protestant Protestant, like me, learning a little bit from a monk could do you some good as far as just what it looks like to have good habits. And yeah. you know, what's the first thing you do in the morning? Is it check your email or social media could you give yourself a different cue to, to pray, to maybe sign up for a, you know, a prayer email that comes to you every morning. And so if you are inclined to check your email every morning, why don't you have something that will help you pray arriving in your inbox? You know, like stuff like that. Or you can do little little tricks to kind of help yourself make that space for prayer.
2: Ed Szeski has been our guest. The uh, brand-new book, "Flee, Be Silent, Pray. It sounds like your next book, whenever it comes out, maybe you're going to want to package these two together at some point. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I know yeah. you've written a number of other books, too, Coffeehouse Theology, A Christian Survival Guide, and uh, you've been in Christianity Today and others. And so it's neat that people can uh, get to know you in this regard and that history. You said your dad's – what was it again? His plumbing business was on WFIL
3: years ago, advertising? Years what, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What
2: was the name of that? Do you remember?
3: No, He no longer owns the business, but it was called uh, Andrew's Plumbing.
2: Okay. Oh, that's cool. And you got a chance to be here. I was going to say, uh, are you are you still in the tri-state area or where where are you these days?
3: No, I'm in uh, I'm in Western Kentucky. My okay. wife is a professor at uh, Murray State, home of John Morant. So that's that's where we're at right now. Is so we are definitely homesick for the East Coast. But
2: <laughs> well, and you mentioned ESPN there. So I mean, do you still keep? Do you, are you a Philly fan? Are you a Kentucky Wildcats fan at this point, or what do you do for for that?
3: I'm I'm hardcore Flyers. So I've yeah, got my kids kids playing hockey in Kentucky. I don't know. There's a whole lot of other kids <laughs> playing hockey in our town. That's great. <laughs> uh, We get our family to mail us, uh, you know, flyers gear and yeah, stuff like that. It's kind of funny. We went to a a parade in our town and uh, our kids are wearing their flyer stuff. And some guy was handed out candy and said, "You're wearing flyers gear. You lose a bet." I was like, (laughs) (laughs) "Lose a bet? What? Talking Kentucky?"
2: (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. Well, we have a gentleman named Brian Smith who is their uh, media manager, and he actually does the broadcast in between – radio broadcast between uh, periods when they're away. And he's joined our program a number of times. We've had several other people in the Flyers organization on over the years. And way back in the day, John Van Biesbrook, who was a goalie for the Flyers, joined us and stuff like that. So uh, we have some Flyers relationships. I actually go down and cover the team every now and again. Uh, in season so that's neat to know that you never <laughs> would know that's why i like to ask the question you never know so well yeah well maybe you can pay a visit to the station again if you're in town the next time and get a get a you know reintroduction to the radio here so maybe we can have you on again down the road with your next book
3: great i'd love that thank you
2: very, very good well god bless you thank you for taking time flee be silent pray the book from ed uh Cizewski. and have a great rest of your day
3: ed thank you too thanks so much for having me sure thing bye-bye bye-bye
2: Pastor and author, Ed Szeski, our guest on the show today. His new book is called Flea, Be Silent, Pray, Ancient Prayers Pray for Anxious Christians. If you'd like to win a copy, we'll draw a winner after the program here in just a little bit. Send me an email to timmyd, T-I-M-M-Y-D, at WFIL.com or a quick text to 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683. Either way, just ask you to put your first and last name and the word flee, and then I'll know what your entry's for. We'll turn things over now to Jim Axum, Acts Four Thirteen 13 Ministries. He'll lead in prayer next. Have a wonderful evening. Thanks for
1: listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com.